Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Audhu billahi samiri min ash-shaytan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal-udwan illa ala al-zalimeen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Are you all familiar in London with the concept of a BMI, body mass index? Do you all do that? You weigh muscle, body fat, a BMI? So you're well acquainted with the idea that two people can step on a scale and they might technically weigh the same, but their health is actually entirely different. The content of that person does not immediately show based upon what shows up on the scale, what number shows up on the scale. I want you to remember this concept, inshallah ta'ala, it'll make sense to you in about 20 minutes, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Masrooq ibn al-Ajda' rahimahullah says that one day I was reading to my teacher, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, man arada an yasma'a al-Qur'an ghaddan tariyan kama unzil, whoever wants to hear the Qur'an fresh, like the day that it was recited, let them listen to the recitation of Ibn Umm Abd, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And as he was reading to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he came across the verse, Inna Ibrahima kana ummah, qanitan lillah. That verily Ibrahim alayhi salam was a nation. Ibrahim was an ummah, devout in his worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a monotheist, and he did not associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that as I recited that verse to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, ibn Mas'ud responded, and he said, Inna Mu'adhan kana ummah. Mu'adh ibn Jabal was an ummah. So Masruq tried again and he thought that maybe it's a mistake, or he asked ibn Mas'ud, why are you saying that Inna Mu'adhan kana ummah? And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu responded and he said, Atadri mal ummah? Do you know what an ummah is? He said, What? It's not a nation of people. It's not by number. It's not by tribe. It's not even by belief. What is an ummah? He said, Alladhi yu'allimu nas al khayr. The one who teaches the people good is an ummah. And he said, Atadri Malqanit, do you know who a person that's devout in his worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is? He said, who? He said, wa The one who obeys Allah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he recited once again, Inna Mu'adhan kana ummah. Mu'adh ibn Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu was an ummah in and of himself. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. How many of you are named Mu'adh? Just a show of hands. I know we have some Mu'adhs that are here. MashaAllah. Some of you are hesitant. I don't, know how, I don't know what to make of that. How many Mu'adhs do we have here? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all nations like Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu died when he was between the age of 34 and 36. And on the Day of Judgment, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that when the lines are set, 
That Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu is the master of the ulama, the leader of the ulama on the day of judgment despite that young age. Now subhanallah, this ummah was sent to Yemen. And the fact that the Prophet sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu to Yemen is a sign of the intention that the Prophet had for Yemen. Look how beautiful, look how powerful, look how incredible the fruits of that da'wah are in Yemen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the people of Yemen. Al-Imanu Yemani. Faith is Yemeni. There are people who have soft hearts that incline quickly to this message. And the Prophet ﷺ had the foresight to send an ummah from Medina to go to Yemen. And an ummah comes out from Yemen from which the fruits are still being bore. Inna mu'adhan kana ummah. The one to whom that was being recited was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, if you saw him, his description is that he was physically short. Not only that, but he's someone whose presence had absolutely no imposition by virtue of the physical makeup of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But the famous story of the Prophet ﷺ with Ibn Mas'ud anhum is that when he went to pick a siwak for the Prophet ﷺ and the wind blew up his thob and you could see his legs, the Sahaba laughed at the size of his legs. And the Prophet ﷺ said, what are you laughing at? They said, Ya Rasulullah, we're laughing at the size of his legs. And the Prophet said, You're laughing at his legs. His legs in the mizan, his legs in the scale of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment is the size of Uhud. Can you imagine a man walking with legs the size of the mountain of Uhud? Imagine if that person existed today. If any of you have ever seen Uhud, it's humongous. Imagine walking and your legs being the size of Uhud. Because it wasn't the physical mass of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that defined him as a person. It was the character, the faith that was inside of him that defined his size in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said on the day of judgment, يَأْتِي بِالرَّجُلِ السَّمِينَ الْعَظِيمِ Allah will bring forth people that are huge, great, in quotation marks. And they would not weigh in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the wing of a mosquito. Remember I asked you, your BMI, body mass index. There will be tyrants on the day of judgment running between the feet of people like ants. There's a very specific tyrant that comes to my mind right now, but I'm not going to say his name. But may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to crush him. Just like this. And the people of Palestine to crush him. Just like this and all of the zalameen along with him. Allahumma ameen. Little tyrants that will run forth on the day of judgment. So you've got extremes. You have a man walking whose legs are like Uhud. You have Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, who's like an entire ummah. And you have everyone in between. I've given you the scope. 
When you hear about a companion by the name of Al-Qa'qa'a, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu sends him to reinforce the army of Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, I'm sending you a man bi alfi rajul, a man who is worth a thousand men, whose voice is better than the voices of a thousand men, whose presence ensures that an army will not be defeated. If you look at him, no matter how big his presence is, if you physically put him in front of a thousand people, the one thousand look greater than the one. But remember your BMI. Let's call it your BRI, your body ruh index. We're going to change it up, inshallah ta'ala. Body and soul, ruh and jasad. It's not the physical weight, it's the weight of the soul. And in that, the weight of the heart, the weight of the akhlaq, the weight of the character. So you have Mu'adh as an ummah, you have the tyrants on the day of judgment that are ants. You have Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, whose legs the size of Uhud. You have the voice of Al-Qa'qa'a radiallahu ta'ala anhu that is louder and more powerful than a thousand. A man who has one is better than a thousand. And everyone in between. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu is one day sitting with his companions and he said to them, make a wish to men know. Some of them said, we wish that we could have this entire room full of gold so we could spend it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another man wished for a room full of pearls and rubies, also fi sabirillah. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the only one who got it. <clears throat> the only one who saw things differently. And subhanallah, because Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu himself understood that as physically imposing as his presence was, that had he died in a state of ignorance, his body would have been just like the body of Abu Jahl, also a huge man, that his physical presence and the, the volume of his voice, the imposing strength, was not what made him, but the Prophet ﷺ's da'wah took Umar and truly made him into a mountain. Umar said, everyone make a wish. Everyone wished for things, possessions, that they could spend fi sabidillah. And indeed, you talk to a lot of Muslims and they say, our problem is we don't have the money. Our enemies have money. Our problem is they've got this and they understand how to do this and they understand how to do that and they have these resources at their disposal. That's not a Muslim mindset. That's not a Muslim mindset. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, as for me, I wish I could have a room full of men like Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, al-Jarrah, Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa. I wish I could have a room full of men like that. If I had a room full of men like that, I don't need the gold. I don't need the pearls. I don't need the resources. Because what Allah has put in the content, in the substance of those people, is greater than any resource that could come to the hands of this ummah. That's what I want. I want people like that. And subhanAllah, these three men, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he was dying, he said, if any 
one of them were alive, I would have appointed them as the Khalifa of the Muslims. By the time Umar anhu passed away, all three of them had gone. Why? Why? What makes these three men? I know many of you have heard this narration. And the obvious implication of the narration is that, well, if I have great people, it's better than great resources. But why those three? What is the common denominator of those three? Abu Ubaidah was an ummah. Mu'adh was an ummah. Salim was an ummah. Each one of them was a nation. And if you think about what each one of them represents in terms of influence, in terms of content, in terms of the substance of their character, Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, if you saw him, he was an extremely unassuming person, by the way. He was the ameen of this ummah, the trustworthy one of this ummah. What a beautiful name, subhanAllah, as the ulama mentioned. The Prophet sallallahu is a sadiqul ameen. He's the only one to take that name as an extension of the characteristic of the Prophet sallallahu So you have Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and Abu Ubaidah al-Ameen, both drinking from the fountain of as-Sadiq al-Ameen, the truthful one, the trustworthy one, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Abu Ubaidah radiallahu anhu is the trustworthy one of this ummah. He's the ameen of this ummah. What does that even mean? If you looked at him, he'd be the guy that is looking around, making sure that everything is set up properly. He'd be the person watching your back. He'd be the person while someone else is standing on stage, going around and making sure that all the chairs are holding. He'd be the person checking out the sound of that balloon to make sure no one just opened fire on the gathering. He'd be the person making sure that everyone is well fed. He'd be the person making sure that the crowd flow is right. He'd be the person making sure that the content is right. He was an unassuming person, you get the point. He was missing some of his teeth and he had a lisp in his mouth. You know why? He had a lisp in his speech. Because on the day of Uhud, when the, the helmet of the Prophet was driven into his head, Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu used his teeth to pull out the helmet of the Prophet stuck in his cheeks, bit with his teeth and lost his teeth in the process. He's a caretaker of this ummah. He didn't dress fancy. He didn't give long speeches. But he was always watching the ummah, always taking care of the ummah, always establishing the ummah wherever he went. A man full of khayr. And you could trust him. You know, in a moment, subhanAllah, where people can demonstrate such great appearance, we need more Abu Ubaidahs. Because the ummah knew that Abu Ubaidah always had its back. The ummah knew that Abu Ubaidah radiallahu anhu always put the interests of the ummah before himself. Everywhere he went, he set the stage. Before Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu walks into Jerusalem, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala liberate al-Quds in our lifetime. Everyone say ameen. And allow us to enter into it with that same spirit of Islam that Umar radiallahu anhu entered into it with, with izzah, with dignity and honor. Everyone say ameen. Who was the one that set the stage? It was Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He's the one that set the stage. He's the one that got it all ready for the entrance of Umar al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. We need men like that. We need people like that. People of substance. Not people of appearance. People of substance. As for Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, we already said 
the man carried the ummah with him wherever he went and made new branches of this ummah. As for Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa, he's one of those who the Prophet said, take the Qur'an from him. And subhanAllah, when you talk about people that hold it down, I want you to remember this especially in this day and age. You know, everyone wants to grow up, or not everyone, but many people want to grow up and want to become Qurra. Amazing that you want to be people of Qur'an. But do you want to sound good? Or do you want the Qur'an to fill your heart? Do you want people to hear your recitation and go, MashaAllah? Or do you want Allah to see your heart full of Qur'an on the Day of Judgment? And be elevated with the recitation of the Qur'an. I want to read like the Imam of the Haram. I want to read like this famous person. I want to read like this. I want to read like that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to beautify your voice with the Qur'an. But before that, I want to be a person of Qur'an. One of the most profound quotes I heard from Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. A man of Qur'an, a man whose voice was so beautiful people would gather around to listen to him recite the Qur'an. The Prophet loved his voice. The Sahaba loved his voice. On the battle of Yamama, Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, بِئْسَ حَامِلُ الْقُرْآنِ أَنَا لَوْهُوجِمَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْ قِبَلِ What a pathetic carrier of the Qur'an I am if the Muslims are attacked from my direction. What a pathetic Hamilu al-Qur'an, memorizer of the Qur'an I am if the Muslims are attacked from my direction. If I don't have the substance to hold down my fort, to be of the strongest links of the Muslims, to account for more than just myself, then the Qur'an has not benefited me in any way. What is my ilm? What is my knowledge? <clears throat> if it doesn't benefit the ummah, if it doesn't fortify the Muslims, what is my knowledge? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask me about and ask you about if it did not lead to the creation of something greater that would be of benefit to the ummah, if it didn't bear any fruit, what's the point? Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was demonstrating something of incredible importance. That too many people want to be a trophy. Not enough people want to be a torch. Too many people want to sound sweet. Not enough people want to have substance and strength in their hearts. Too many people want to be celebrated. Not enough people want to be a cause for the ummah celebration. Too many people want the appearance. Not enough people want the hearts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wanted to be a person of substance and he never deluded himself into saying, my voice sounds good, therefore I'm carrying my weight. Carrying my weight means I'm holding it down and protecting the ummah from my direction. When people come forward and they say, I want to benefit Palestine, this ummah is like one body. That doesn't just mean that you feel the hurt of another part of the body. That also means that you are not a cause of hurt for the rest of the body. That doesn't just mean that when one part of the body is weak, that you feel that weakness. It also means that you do your best to be the strong part of the body. You do your part to also 
strengthen what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in your place, in your regard. What's your BRI? What's the content of your soul? What's the content of your character? What is it that caused the body of Sa'd ibn Mu'adh when he was buried? A man once again in his 30s and his death shook the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is it? Was it the strength of Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Or was it the content of his character, the content of his soul, the, 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 the weight in his heart in which he magnified, glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What made him who he was? Now there are a few points to address in regards to the current moment that we are in. I want you to understand that what makes Gaza so special are not the buildings. They could flatten all the buildings that they want, but there are mountains in Gaza that they can never flatten. They could destroy every physical structure in Gaza by the end of this, and they would have not flattened a single mountain in Gaza. There are nine-year-old mountains in Gaza that could stand up to the most sophisticated military, most enabled military in the world. And some people don't understand that. I've heard Muslims say, and it's one of the most offensive things in the world. I've heard Muslims say, why don't the Palestinians just give up? Why don't the Palestinians just khalas, have sabr, have patience, move on from this all? Give it up until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a way out for you. Don't you remember that the people of Musa alayhi salam did not enter into Jerusalem because they said what? Inna fiha qawman jabbarin. You got big massive people in there. The people of Gaza don't care. The people of Palestine don't care. They don't see jabbarin. They see cowards. They don't see people of strength. They see people who hide behind the superficial methods of strength. They don't see people who actually believe in themselves. They see soldiers who have a mindset of destruction but have no content inside of their hearts. If you don't understand the iman of the people of Palestine and the people of Gaza who are holding it down on behalf of the rest of the ummah, then at least save them from your opinion of them. Keep your opinion to yourself. They're not going anywhere ta'ala, because the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that they will be there and they will insist upon that way until the command of Allah comes, the, until it comes to an end and they are that way. When we say that their existence is resistance, we mean it. They're mountains. They're not moving. They're mountains. They don't want to be refugees. You don't pick mountains up and put them somewhere else. They're mountains. They understand the weight of the burden of insisting on not being uprooted from that land because for them as people to be uprooted from that land is for Islam to be uprooted from that land. The best thing we can do is make dua for them. رَبَّنَا ثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَهُمْ Oh Allah, make their feet firm. What do you think you're saying when you make that dua? Oh Allah, make their feet firm. أَنزِلْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ 
descend upon them tranquility. What do you think you're making dua for? Those people are mountains. Those people are an incredible source of inspiration to the rest of us. I want you to think about how many angels that go around the world looking for the righteous are clustered there. You know, the Gaza Strip is one of the most populated areas in the world. Imagine what the population of Malaika is in Gaza. The population of angels is in Gaza. Imagine how open the gates to the heavens are from that small piece of earth and the souls descending to, ascending to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine how incredible that small piece of land actually is when you're able to transcend the material. They're not people of lands. They're people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not people who rely on the supports of strength. They rely on substance. They are umam. They are nations that are holding it down on our behalf. Subhanallah, I look at that young girl, Lama, nine years old, little tiny girl. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her. Lama al-Jamus, if you look at her, she's a, a journalist. She shadows Wa'il al-Dahduh, another mountain, a jabal. That man is a mountain. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve him to be a voice to the people of Palestine. That little nine-year-old girl is a mountain. If some of you saw him a year ago, you wouldn't even know who he was. He could come and sit in this convention center and sit down in the conference just like everybody else, and you'd think he's just another random Muslim. That man is a mountain. There is a content of character there, a substance of faith that makes that man a mountain. Now it comes back to us and some of you might be thinking, well, what's the point of all of this? So are we just going to walk away from here saying the people of Gaza are amazing, the people of Palestine are amazing? Here's the point of this, dear brothers and sisters. Of the ethos of the Muslim community, of the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, is that everybody has a role to play and everybody sees the potential to belong to the category of as-sabiqun. The category of the forerunners. In every generation of my ummah, there are forerunners. We're not people that sit around and say, where is the next Salahuddin or when is the Mahdi coming? It's not who we are. That's not our ethos. Where is Salahuddin and when is the Mahdi coming? If you sit around saying that, then you will never unlock your own potential to be the best version of yourself. Instead of thinking, where is Salahuddin? When is the Mahdi coming? Ask yourself, can I situate myself to be amongst As-Sabiqun right now? The forerunners right now. The genius of the Prophet ﷺ is that the Prophet ﷺ did not offer you one prototype of what substance and character looks like. Imagine if the only way to be great in this ummah was to be Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. If that was the case, the most miserable person would be Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught Hassan how to be a mountain in his own right. With his voice. With his voice. So strong that the mighty angel would support him in his poetry. Imagine if the Prophet ﷺ told Umar bin Khattab ta'ala anhu, you need to calm down. 
This energy that you have, this zeal that you have, it's not going to cut it in Islam. Instead, the Prophet ﷺ made Umar عنه, the best version of Umar. He didn't try to make Umar عنه, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. Imagine if the Prophet ﷺ told Uthman عنه, the shyness that you have, your voice being so quiet, the humility, the generosity, leave it all behind. You need to be more like Umar. What would Uthman have been? And imagine if the Prophet ﷺ told Ali who lived his whole life in poverty, Ya Ali, you want to rise? Look at Uthman, purchasing wells and entering Jannah, financing Jaysh al-Usra, financing expeditions in the most difficult of times, expanding the masjid. Ali, you got to be like Uthman. Otherwise, what do you amount to? What if the Prophet ﷺ held Aisha radiallahu anha to the standard of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha? It would have been a disaster. Aisha is not Khadija. But they're both mountains. They're both our mothers and they both carry such significance in the ummah. What's your BRI? What's your substance? We look too much at the superficial and we don't look inside for the substance. And here's what I want you to take ta'ala in this moment, dear brothers and sisters. All of these people that you're seeing right now on our screens that are the most heroic people that we've ever seen in our lifetime. They were all relatively ordinary people just two months ago. They were all relatively ordinary people. No one was celebrating these people. No one was talking about how great they are. But SubhanAllah, look at them now. Look at them now. I want you to think about how much personal prep it takes to get yourself there. And there is something that is a common thread. I want you to ask yourself how much Qur'an you have inside of you. How much Qur'an do you have inside of you? How much Qur'an do you apply on a regular basis? I want you to analyze yourself in accordance with the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and say, how can I manifest one of them, just one of them, in my own life? Of course, we follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, but you're going to find personalities that resonate with you. How do I bring that into my life? When you read about Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahimahullah ta'ala, don't just think about one element of his character. Say, where did that passion for Al-Aqsa come from? Where did that particular passion for Jerusalem come from? How do I generate that in my own life? How do I bring that substance in my own life? When you see people who love the Prophet ﷺ so devoutly, how often do you read about him ﷺ? How connected is his character to yours? How many of the little things are you paying attention to that the Prophet ﷺ used to do that led to the body of the greatest man that ever walked the face of the earth ﷺ? There are practical measures. You know when you think about vitamin deficiencies, 
I know I'm, I'm giving you all like a health lesson right now. It's a spiritual health lesson. You think about vitamin deficiencies. If you go and you take a, a test, you're lacking in this or you're lacking in that and you need more of this, you need more of that. The prescriptions are all there. What makes us great? The contents of our character. Not the superficial look on the outside. And if you have good character, and if you are someone who carries passion, if you're someone who carries ambition, from the smallest bodies, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns around the greatest of obstacles. From the smallest physical bodies, and from the least resourced of communities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has changed the world through them. When you think amongst yourselves, how do I have substance? How do I manifest substance? And when I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts me on a scale, what's the number going to read when it comes to my character? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all people of Qur'an. May Allah make us people who manifest the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah allow us to carry the passion of Salah al-Din. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be for the welfare of this ummah like Abu Ubaidah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to spread khair, to spread good like Mu'adh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us strength, grant us sincerity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give victory to our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Allahumma thabbit aqdamahum. Rabbana afrigh alayhim sabaran. وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَهُمْ وَانْصُرْهُمْ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make their hearts firm, make their feet firm, pour upon them tranquility, and allow them to persist. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never allow them to be intimidated or overcome. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, with our own two feet, step into the Holy Land where it doesn't have the unholiness of occupation anymore. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayra. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.